Hello there. Uh, this is the latest Windy City Gridiron Radio with you as always, host Robert Zaglinski. Uh, today I'm joined by our staff writer, Aaron Lemming, and we're going to, Aaron, right? I think we're going to discuss the major release of Tanner Gentry, this breaking news WCG radio. I think that's what it was, right? That's the plan? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they made some small trade, but I don't really think we need to talk about that. Uh, some small trade for an all-pro player, Khalil Mack, Raiders star, edge rusher, what have you. Yeah, um, going past the sarcasm, uh, the Bears made one of the biggest trades. I don't think it's hyperbole to say, Aaron. Made, they made one of the biggest trades in NFL history, in franchise history this morning, by acquiring 27-year-old generational future Hall of Fame pass rusher Khalil Mack. For now, officially, as the trade details come out, to me, on its face, seems like highway robbery. The Bears get, obviously, Mac, a 2020 second-round pick, and a conditional 2025th round pick. The Raiders get twenty the tw- next year's Bears first-round pick, the 2020 first-round pick, a 2020 third-rounder, and a 2019 sixth-round pick. Um, I we're, We have a lot to unpack here. There, obviously, this is a major need. This is, is paints the picture of a team pushing chips, their chips in for a championship by for contention. Um, but Aaron, your initial thoughts were still in that immediate aftermath. I think it's a huge move. I mean, we talked about this. What was it, a few weeks ago that we did the pod? Maybe a month ago. And I mean, this is it's huge. I mean, there's really no other way around it. And this isn't you know any sort of hyperbole, anything like this. This is a move that we talked about before that the bears, I don't know if I could, I would say that they needed to make, but I think it was one of those moves that they needed to make in order to be able to get into, let's just say division contention this year. Cause I still think shooting as high as saying the Super Bowl contenders this year, I think is definitely a little too high. Uh, but I do think that right now with the moves that they just made, you would have to think at this point in time that they've, I mean, you've got to have almost playoff expectations at this point. I, I mean, even looking at what they gave up, I mean, you just read what they gave up. That's not that's not nearly as much as I thought they were going to have to. And and the fact that they were able to get a second rounder back is basically the way you have to look at this. The Bears won't have a first round pick the next two years. We all know that the Bears won't have a second round pick this coming year because of their trade for Anthony Miller. They gave up a fourth round pick and you know the this coming year's uh, second round pick in order to get him, which I still completely agree with. But I think there's two big things here. One is that they still have the third-round pick this year. Uh, obviously, they'll have a fourth, a fifth. They won't have a sixth, and then they'll have a seventh. So they still have a decent amount of picks. Ryan Pace has been very good about maneuvering and doing different things, so I think they're good there. But I think 2020 is kind of the big one because, okay, yeah, they're, they're not going to have a first-round pick, and they're not going to have a third-round pick, but they're going to have two second-round picks. They're going to have their second-round pick, and they'll have the Raiders' second-round pick. And quite frankly, if things keep trending the way that they are for the Raiders – it's looking like it's going to be a pretty decently high pick. And if, if this pans out for the Bears, and I mean, the difference between their first round pick and what the Raiders' second round pick should be may not be that big of a difference. So I think overall, you just look at it. They could also get a conditional fifth round pick as well. But I think you just look at the, the, the optics of this trade as a whole. We're not going to get into the, you know, the potential contract yet. And I think this is a lot better than most people expected the Bears to do in a situation like this with the trade. And judging by the reactions I've seen, people are almost appalled at the fact that the Raiders gave back a second-round pick. 
let's talk about this from the Raiders' perspective. Um, I still don't understand it. I, I don't. I I don't know what John. It's very clear that John Gruden's the one in charge there. The, the man with the ten-year, hundred and million-dollar contract. Um, I could see the plausibility of hey, let's we don't want to pay. We don't want to make the guy the highest-paid player, defensive player in the NFL. Let's get some picks back. Let's try to build for the future. Uh, but without Mac, the, I mean, can you name one other player on the Raiders roster, Aaron, for, for example? Can, like, can you po- po- even potentially get like, – like let's say the Bears are good. Those first rounders the Raiders get, those are going to be picks in the 20s. Those are going to p- be picks in the, in the teens at worst. And – you're very likely not going to get another player of max worth. The argument is that all you can get two guys that are on cost control, cost control rookie deals. Well, you know, you're trying to win with, if you're the Raiders, you're trying to win with Derek Carr now. And instead you just gave that on a silver platter to the bears where they have that Trubisky rookie contract. They have that cap flexibility to keep it for the future and it really feels like the Bears just took advantage of a guy that hasn't coached in the league in over a decade. Yeah, the the, the situation as a whole, like I said, I mean, the optics of this trade, uh, it just, oh man, I don't know. I'm a and I'm a big draft value guy. Don't get me wrong at all. I, I really am, and I and I believe that the value of picks are definitely high, especially when you're talking first round picks. But the the difference is here, right? We're we're talking about a guy who is an all pro player. Okay, so. You got the Bears, and let's just take a look at their first round picks under Ryan Pace. I mean, just going back, Kevin White, Leonard Floyd, uh, you know, they've had, um, you know, Roquan Smith and obviously Trubisky. And obviously the hope is that, you know, at least two of these guys are going to be good. But I mean, outside of the Trubisky pick, I mean, let's look at the other picks. Uh, and especially, I mean, they were picking high too. And I don't think that you can make the argument, even Trubisky right now, that you can make the argument that any of those players that Ryan Pace has, ta- has taken with four first round picks has had even close to the amount of impact that Cleo Mack has. So I think you, you bring up a really good point when you talk about how, you know, there's, there's always going to be that value with the picks, but at the same time, who are you actually going to take? And especially for the Bears, like I said, I mean, they're making this move with the thought of, we're opening our contention window right now. Mitch Trubisky has three years left on his rookie deal. He's got the fifth-year option, which isn't going to be nearly as cheap as his rookie deal, but it's still going to be more cost-controlled. They're going to have some flexibility, not nearly as much as they did. I think some fans have to keep that in mind. I think that's kind of the, the trade-off that you make in a situation like this. I mean, Max probably going to sign for $23 million a year. That's Once again, that's just a risk you take. But when you look at what the Bears' quality of picks are going to give you uh, with the, you know, the two first-rounders and the third-rounder, you're probably looking at least, I would say, absolute worst-case scenario, you're probably looking at 15, 16. And I think best-case scenario, you're looking in the high 20s. So I, I just it's hard for me to imagine this from the Raiders' standpoint and sit here and look and say, even with the two first-round picks and a third-round pick, and, you know, whatever else they're going to get. I mean, there was – what was it, the six or whatever it was. Either, either way, you look at this situation, and I just don't see how this benefits the Raiders. I understand from a a cash standpoint, especially with what they just did with Derek Carr with his deal not too long ago. Maybe they're running a little bit low, whatever it may be. But at the same time, it's just – it's one of those situations where they're going to be very hard-pressed to put all four of those picks together – 
and get even close to the same amount of value as Khalil Mack. And on top of it, then they're giving the Bears back a second-round pick. It, to me, this just looks like a move that screams a guy that has not been in the league in 10 years. And that's exactly what you pointed out, and I think that's exactly what this is. This is Windy City Gridiron Radio. Robert Zaglinski here talking with my main man, Aaron Lemming. You can follow us on Twitter at WC Gridiron. Follow me on Twitter at Robert Zaglinski. And follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. From the Bears' perspective, Aaron, on that draft note, I've seen a lot of, not necessarily, maybe not a lot, but I've seen some opinions where, oh, hey, you can't risk the future. You can't risk those picks. You can't risk those draft picks. But it's to the point of what the Raiders are. You, the, the, the draft picks in themselves are mystery boxes. They're nice ways of selling the future. And Say if the Bears were in the position where that they were in 2015 when Ryan Pace took over and they traded this haul for Khalil Mack, I would think it's a very bad deal because they hadn't they wouldn't have had accumulated the roster talent they have. They wouldn't have locked in much of their core the way they have, which we're gonna get to get to in a second. I'm sure you'll 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 expa- expound upon. Um but they're doing it where the future is now. They've been building this roster for for four off-seasons, four off-seasons worth, so four drafts, four free agencies. And it's time. It's time to push the chips in. It's not Now is not the time to rely on the mystery box of the draft. The future is their next two to three years. Um, and the, those picks aren't going to be what's, what's going to push them over the top. Those picks aren't going to be um, what they're relying on if they're going to make any acquisitions over the next two to three years, given how likely they are to be very tight, uh, to be very tight against the salary cap with, <coughs> Oh, excuse me, with an extension of Eddie Goldman, potentially Lumaine and, and maybe even Adrian Amos. If they make any acquisitions that are worthwhile to this window, it's going to be veterans. It's going to be guys that they don't need to develop, that they can't wait on. Um, those draft picks in comparison, um, the, the, especially the first rounders, everything else to me is, is of a much more minimal consequence, uh, matters so little to the Bears. This is the perfect deal. This is especially in consideration with, with, uh, with, with Trubisky's rookie contract that we keep talking about. When, when, the way those are designed within the NFL's collective bargaining agreement, you want to be able to take advantage of, of that extra flexibility you have while you're potential franchise quarterback is developing while he's at his cheapest. We don't know if Trubisky's obviously going to pan out yet. He hasn't played any, uh, he hasn't even played uh, his second season under Matt Nagy. Um, but it's tailor made for moves. Excuse me. It's tailor made for moves where, let, 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 like if you look this up in a dictionary, you'd see Khalil Mack's face. If, oh, taking advantage of a rookie contract, quarterback contract. You'd see Khalil Mack's face. You'd see that as the move to pounce on, and I think it's incredibly commendable. I think what this is this is the ideal um, like roster building move for the Bears in terms of draft picks, in terms of salary cap. I I could go on forever. No, I'm right there with you. I think this is the exact type of move that Ryan Pace, like I said, I don't know if I'm going to say needed to make, but at the same time, I mean, maybe so, because you look at the, you look at the situation 
that the Bears are in right now, and let's let's just compare it to the let's just compare it to the Rams. Okay, so let's look back at last year with the Rams, and they were coming into the season where they had a second year quarterback. They had some question marks, but they added a pretty good amount in free agency. Receiver was one of their big weak points. I mean, obviously, pass rusher never was. They were able to handle that. They made that one last move. That one last move right before the season started when they traded and got uh, Sammy Watkins. And I think when you look at where the Bears are at right now, they were a 5-11 team last year. I think that, to a certain extent, I think coaching would have helped them. A better coaching would have helped them to at least another win or two. We're going to have to see how that's going to go. But I think when you look – overall what they have right now versus what they had last year and I think it's very comparable to what the Rams have done and keep in mind the Rams have made a pretty good amount of moves this offseason but they didn't have a crazy crazy amount of cap space to do what they what they did and the the thing I think some Bears fans are going to start to understand over the next few years is you will attract better players that maybe want to take less money to be on a good team. And if the Bears end up turning into a good team, then that's a, that's a bridge that they can cross when they get to it. But I think the big glaring hole that the Bears have had all offseason, and it's something that they have not addressed, and in some ways I don't think they really could have addressed very well, was outside linebacker, pass rusher. Now you've got a guy like Leonard Floyd who's got two more years of control than the, the fifth-year option. Um Right, yeah, he's going into the third year. Man, sometimes I get ahead of myself. You've got Akeem Hicks, who I think is on a pretty decently team-friendly deal. Uh, you've got Eddie Goldman that you're going to have to worry about. You've got Roquan Smith, who's on a rookie deal. Uh, you've got your cornerbacks locked up. You pretty much got your whole entire defense locked up for the most part outside of Amos and maybe Callahan. And you go out and you make a move like this. Here's the reality of the situation that Bears fans absolutely have to understand: the likelihood of them landing a caliber player that they did in Mac. Next year in free agency or next year within the draft, even though as stacked as some of this may look, was very slim. I mean, they could have drafted a guy very high or whatever it may be. And, you know, and that's the other thing. Keep in mind, the Bears are probably going to pick, I'd say, anywhere from 13 to 18 anyway. I think they're going to be at 7 to 9, 8 and 18 before this move anyway. So you're talking about taking probably the fourth or fifth best pass rusher in the draft, or you're talking about spending probably 16, 17, 18 million dollars a year on a second-tier pass rusher, uh, who you know, whoever that may be that breaks available. They're, I mean, the, the free agency is, is stacked in that regard. But now you're talking about an all-pro player that you're going to have. It's going to be an expensive contract. It's going to be about $23 million a year. We know that. But the thing is, is you're going to have him locked up for multiple years. You still have the flexibility of having a rookie quarterback. You still have the flexibility of being able to cut a few guys like a Deion Sims next year, Danny Trevathan. Uh, maybe even a Kyle Long that's going to be able to save you. I mean, you you can stack up some of those 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 cuts and be able to gain yourself probably twenty million dollars in space. And not to mention they're going to be able to rework things. So I think ultimately this is just a move that really shows you where the Bears view themselves right this five seconds. And whether that's realistic or not, and whether people agree with that or not, they obviously believe that they are right on the verge of being not only a playoff contender, but a Super Bowl contender. The NFC is going to be a tough division, but the thing is, we've seen every single year, three to four, even sometimes five teams, I mean, it was six this last year, are new playoff teams. Yes, they're in a deep division, but what happens if Aaron Rodgers goes down? What happens if Kirk Cousins isn't the same quarterback as what everybody thinks he's going to be and Minnesota takes a step back? I mean, there is room for opportunity within the North, whether that be winning the North or whether that be getting a wild card spot. But basically the Bears have said today – we are in it right now. 
we're going to make the moves right now. We're going to deal with the consequences of the cap later. We're going to deal with the consequences of the overall cash flow spending that we just spent this entire offseason, which I think is something else that we need to get into at some point because I think it's very commendable. Talk about what Ryan Pace did. I think we need to talk about the McCaskies and what they did uh, as well because this is this is a big leap on multiple uh, different levels. But this is a big move for the Bears. I mean, there's uh, you can you can be excited, uh, you can be a little skeptical, but ultimately this is an all-in type of move for the Bears. Uh, you know, Trubisky's got to pan out, and that's 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 going to be first and foremost. But this kind of deal right here is basically showing exactly where the Bears think they are, and they think they're in the mix of being a playoff contender and possibly a Super Bowl contender. Let's talk about that direct impact of Mac, because I agree. I, I I think the expectations certainly are going at, at minimum. If the Bears don't make the playoffs this year, that's a failure. Now, if the Bears don't win a Super Bowl within Max tenure within the next three to four years, that's going to be seen as a failure. Um, and I think that's right. I, I think that's rightful to say. In, in the matter of Trubisky, they're not going to be able to do it without Trubisky panning out. But let's say even in the case of how good Mac is and the impact of this kind of move, let's say Trubisky's even average or he turns out to be bad. They have, in my mind, the kind of unit that can win nine to ten games by itself right now on paper. On paper, they have that kind of they have that kind of defense. They have that kind of pass rush with Akeem Hicks and Leonard Floyd. They have a line. They have their linebacker of the future, Roquan Smith. They didn't lose any players, so they still have Danny Trevathan and Nick Kwiatkowski as uh, uh, opposite Smith. That is, they have depth on the defensive line. They have a rising secondary, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller. They're gonna be in the playoff mix at minimum. I, I think anything less than that is rightfully seen as a failure and they know that but you know they had they had it's to your McCaskey point i think the McCaskies had enough of being mired in a, an ongoing seven year playoff drought of being an irrelevant nfl franchise cuz that's what the bears have been you know for all the matt managgy hype for all the even hype that mark tresman once got for all the stability john fox brought they've been an irrelevant franchise They've been in the shadow for so long. They've been they finished in the last in, last in the NFC North for four straight years. Um, and that that that's not the case anymore. And they didn't want to. They didn't want that to be the case anymore. They wanted to have an, a monsters of the midway type defense again. They wanted to crawl back out of that shadow, and they wanted to be in what is effectively one of the more difficult NFC conferences I've I've ever seen with the Eagles, the Rams, the Vikings, the Packers, the Falcons, the Saints. But they wanted to be in that mix. They wanted to be relevant again and they wanted to see where that would take them. That takes a lot of guts to make that that, that, that takes a lot of guts to make that move. And um, they know the expectations that are coming or that are going to be there rather and they didn't care. As and I, and I, I don't, I don't think they should have. Yep, I'm right there with you. Uh, j- just on a side note, real quick, because I just I find this somewhat relevant on two different levels. Apparently, the Raiders just traded for AJ McCarron, which is just, I mean, that, that just, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I mean, at least on paper, man, that just kind of shows you the two different directions that the Bears are going in one way and the, and the Raiders going in the other. I just had to point that out because I thought that was too funny not to say anything about, but. 
when you when you look at what the Bears have done, I mean, as far as expectations go, uh, you know, I don't I don't think this is this is Homerish to say at all when I say that Bears fans should be expecting, if not playoffs, they need to be nine and seven, ten and six. I mean, it, there's just really no other way around it. You you don't make a move like this and waste another prime year of guys like Akeem Hicks, even Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack's 27 years old. I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying that the more and more time – and windows in the NFL are small. The things that happen with teams like Green Bay, that, that, that happen with teams like New England, even Pittsburgh to a certain extent, those are rare things where you see teams able to be consistently good for you know, 5, 10, 15 years. That's not a very realistic approach, and hopefully that happens for the Bears – but more realistically, you're looking at probably a three to five year window, uh, hopefully longer. But when you start talking the salary cap and, and you know these different extensions going in, I mean, Trubisky's got three more controllable, like legitimately controllable years. I think the fifth year option by the time we get to that is going to be probably around twenty three to twenty five million for a quarterback. So that's something that fans need to keep in mind. It's it's going to be more expensive. It's not nearly as cost controlled as what they have now. So. Absolutely, they need to start winning. I, and I'm not going to say I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I expect the Bears to be in the Super Bowl this year because I it's very rare that you see teams go from no playoffs to a Super Bowl within the year. Obviously, the 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 Eagles did it last year. That's a whole nother discussion, and that's that's something that is just completely and and really unheard of with all the things that happen. But looking from a more realistic standpoint. I do think that we've reached a point because of this Mac deal where I think Bears fans have to almost expect a Rams type jump, you know, and that seems kind of high, but I I think we're kind of to that point. And I also think that to a certain extent, the, the expectations, especially for somebody like Trubisky maybe need to be taken up a notch. I've, and I've been a very big proponent of saying, you know, don't expect him to take a golf type jump, even though, you know, maybe some of that was numbers related, whatever it may be. But I, I think we're kind of to a point where the bears have said, we're putting all of our eggs in one basket. We've seen that all off season. We're seeing it again. They believe they're ready. So if they believe they're ready, then bears fans need to follow accordingly and I think right now that like you said I completely agree that you know they need to be expecting playoffs and if it's a situation where they win 10 games and something crazy happens where you know like we had in the NFC or AFC it was a four or five years ago where there's multiple teams that are 10 and 6 11 and 5 and a 10 and 6 team loses out then that's understandable but I don't think the seven and nine, eight and eight projections and expectations that most people had before today, I don't think those are those are remotely acceptable anymore. I think th- that's an excellent point. <laughs> if Trubisky fails, we I, 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 I think a lot of people said this earlier in the offseason, given the way the offense was constructed, it's almost certainly gonna be all on him. Because he had he had all the coach he has the coach <coughs> that gets him and Nagy. He has the weapons. He has the pieces and support staff. Now, if Trubisky fails with the defense the Bears have put together, again, it's 100% on him. I, I, I'm struggling to think of a young quarterback that has been put in as advantageous a position as Trubisky. It's, it's just startling the shift from last year to now. Trubisky is in such a place where He's still going to have to do, obviously, a lot of the work. He's still going to have to actually make the plays. But in terms of just what he has around him, he has guys that will that are going to make fantastic plays for him downfield as receivers with Allen Robinson, 
Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton. He has an offensive line that probably really only has one link in Bo- one weak link in Bobby Massey. Um, and now he has a defense that if you know if he's if he's ever at any point consistently struggling or if he makes a bad play, he has a defense that can essentially put him on their back. They, they, they're the ones that are going to be able to make red zone stands. They're the ones that are going to be able to get him the ball in advantageous red zone scoring opportunities uh, for the, for their own. And um, just the way it's structured now, um, I have a hard time. I know it's, it's difficult to put on the roster, but I have a hard time believing that Trubisky is anything less than average at this point with what the bears have done. And maybe that'll be because he's boosted by their roster. But I just I have a hard time believing that he's not even just uh, that that he's not even going to be. Or rather, let me reword this. I have a hard time believing that he'll be less than a game manager. Like that's his ceiling at this point with what the Bears have given him. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think when you trade up, even though I don't think it was a huge trade up, like some people say, uh, but when you trade up and you make a move for Trubisky the way you do, then you're basically saying, like, this is our guy. And I'm not expecting – and don't get me wrong. I'm not expecting Trubisky to be a Hall of Famer or a top-five quarterback, you know, whatever it may be, because there's a big difference between the elite quarterbacks in the league and very good quarterbacks. And I think that's something that fans kind of have to understand and kind of keep expectations into alignment a little bit. But what I will say is – I don't think it's remotely unrealistic, and I think it's it's something that is very reasonable for fans to expect him to be a top ten quarterback. Whether that happens this year, next year, they can get away with that. I mean, we we've seen multiple teams that have won with, I'd say, very good quarterbacks or good quarterbacks, but not elite. And I think one of the biggest things that I want to see from him this year is just his ability to play big and big situations and win big games. Cause I mean, that's something we've seen even let's just point out a guy like Kirk Cousins, for example, Kirk Cousins has racked up a crazy amount of yards and numbers and all that stuff and all these fun things. But the fact is he can't win a big game. And I think that's another big development that we need to see with Trubisky this year. And I think we're going to, I mean, he was my number one quarterback. Uh, I, I know obviously you were a little different on that, but but the fact is he's on the team. Now the bears have built around him. They hired Matt Nagy for him they signed the receivers they signed for him. They signed the tight end they signed for him. They drafted the tight end they drafted for him. I mean, there's, there's so much around this team that revolves around him. Obviously, the defense and what Cleo Mack is is a little bit different of a situation. Uh, but, I mean, this is a, it's just one of those scenarios where Trubisky is being handed the keys of the kingdom. And I don't think he's going to let anybody down. Uh, I, I don't know where he's going to fall and where the chips, you know, the chips are going to fall, whatever, whatever things are going to stack up. But it's also a situation where, and, and I, you may disagree here with me. I don't even think that he needs to be the best quarterback in this class because no, th- it could be a situation. Go ahead. No, he doesn't. No, continue. I was just saying, no, he doesn't. And continue. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's the thing is I don't think he needs to be the best quarterback in this, this this class that just came out because, okay, maybe Deshaun Watson is better or whatever, uh, you know, racks up the numbers, whatever it may be. But Trubisky just needs to be good to very good. And I think that is more than enough uh, that they have around him to be able to have that happen. And even and, – and this is an overused term, and maybe I'm overusing it here, but even if he's a system quarterback, like I feel like a Jared Goff would be versus like a Carson Wentz, 
and he can produce and he can win the games that he needs to win, I, I think that's just a win-win for the Bears. Uh, but and just, just off of another side note, I'm sorry, I'm kind of watching all these cuts come in right here. And just to kind of go back and, and kind of give you an idea as to what I was talking about when I say, you know, the, the Bears are unlikely to hit with somebody bigger than Mac than they, you know, than they will in free agency or the draft next year. Jerry Atauchu, who is one of the, the bigger signings that the 49ers made uh, at edge, you know, there really wasn't that much at edge this year, along with a guy like Aaron Lynch. Jerry Atauchu just got cut. So he didn't even make it through the one year that he had on the contract. And I think he got like five or six million. So it just goes to show you the – the quality of edge rushers and them being available is very, very slim. I'm not going to say it's nearly as slim as, uh, you know, an elite quarterback by any means, but elite talent doesn't fall in the market very often. Um, so I, it's just another point to why the Bears were completely right to make a decision like this. Yeah, to, to your the Trubisky doesn't have to be elite like the, the, what with what they've built around him. He could be like Eli Manning now, where the rest of the roster is just so good and so special, where that's going to be good enough to compete for a championship, to even win a championship. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to be the best of 2017 class. I mean, I, I unequivocally agree. Um, we're kind of veering off of Mac. I wanted to because, but so we just we discussed what he's going to do for Trubisky and how he finishes the finishes the defense and finishes that support system. I think the other player most directly impacted by this, or the other two players, it depends on how you look at it, is Leonard Floyd. I, I, right now, as long as Leonard Floyd stays on the field, he's in probably the most advantageous, one of the most advantageous positions, one of the uh, places in places possible that there is in the NFL. Khalil Mack's going to be the guy that gets all the attention from offenses now. Then there's Akeem Hicks, probably one of the better, one of the one of the top two or three three, four defensive ends in the league. And Floyd's going to get so many one-on-one opportunities because just based off of that association um, where he's going to have the opportunity, where he's going to have the chance to rack up 10 sacks. He's going to have the chance to wreak havoc without being the pressure or without having the pressure of being that number one pass rusher without being that number one game breaker. Um, and that, that's that's a delight that, that that's a delightful development for what the Bears have done for themselves now. Just beyond even beyond just adding an edge rusher like Mac opposite him, just how much how much more that adds just how much value that adds to what Floyd's gonna bring to the table because he doesn't have to be that number one guy anymore. He's gonna be the number three guy in that pass rushing order and it'll help him thrive. I, I, I really do. I think he, he's in that kind of, he's in that kind of place. Well, let me let me let me just make this really simple. Uh, there's there's a amount of players on the Bears defense that starters. Let's just talk starters that Cleo Mack helps, and that's ten other players on the defense. I mean, it, he literally, and obviously, I think I think Leonard Floyd is going to be a big big player in this. That that he's really going to benefit off this, but. He, Khalil Mack helps everybody on the defense. He helps yep. the secondary because there's going to be more pressure. He's going to help a guy like Akeem Hicks because there's going to be pressure coming from more areas. He's going to help the, the inside linebackers stay more clean. They're going to be able to do different things, especially a guy like uh, Roquan Smith. He's going to be able to blitz more and do whatever, you know, just do a lot more. And then you have a guy like Leonard Floyd who goes from seeing consistent double teams. And, and, and this is something that I think needs to be said, uh, that Leonard Floyd was very raw coming out. Georgia so 
obviously they traded up and they got him, but I think that we're kind of seeing a situation, especially even with injury stuff, where Leonard Floyd is bringing is being brought along in in terms of development, maybe a little slower than some people had thought for the ninth overall pick. I still think Leonard Floyd is a good player, and I think he's become a better player. But this is the exact kind of move that is going to help him flourish into uh, – he could be a 10 to 12-sack-a-year guy still just for the simple fact that he's not going to be seeing these double teams. He's not a power guy. Uh, but this is going to be something that is going to greatly benefit him. This is going to be something that's going to greatly benefit this entire defense. And this is the kind of move, I mean, we talked about this a few weeks back. This is the type of move that the Bears go from being, you can debate whether they they were going to be a top 10 defense or not. Uh, You know, DVOA said that they were 14th. Uh, Numbers, you know, whether that be yardage, whatever else, uh, said that they were top 10. Here's a fact, that the Bears should be, very close, if not a top five defense this year. And that's the kind of that, – that's just the kind of impact that a guy like Khalil Mack is going to have for you. And then you look at – let's just look at the depth. We, I haven't even seen the final roster yet. I don't think it's been released. So we're kind of going off of, you know, kind of going off of what we know right now. But here's the, here's the deal. So all of a sudden, Sam Macho goes from being your second outside linebacker to your third outside linebacker. And then you have a guy like Aaron Lynch – uh, assuming he makes the roster, which I would still think he would, uh, I'm sure we'll we'll find out, you know, sooner rather than later about that. So then you have Aaron Lynch as your fourth outside linebacker, and then you have a guy like Kylie Fitz, or you have a guy like uh, uh, Isaiah Irving, who's all of a sudden going to be your fifth if you keep five guys. So the amount of depth, the amount of of quality overall that you're seeing, you're having a guy like Sam Ocho who had no business starting. He's a very solid player, but he's not a good pass rusher. And all of a sudden, you're going to see him on you know on running downs. You've got a lot more depth. You got a guy like Aaron Lynch who you signed for four million dollars this year, and you were counting on him to be one of your primary pass rushers. All of a sudden, you can say, "All right, man." You really haven't played – well, you haven't played at all in preseason. You've hardly played – you know, practiced at all in the last month and a half. We're going to bring you along a little bit more slowly right now because the ultimate reality is you're on a one-year, $4 million deal, so anything we get out of you at this moment is crazy. Then you have the two the two young guys, whether that be Fitz, whether that be Irving back behind them. Maybe you stick one of those guys on the practice squad or whatever it is. Maybe they're inactive, but you can bring them along uh, from a developmental standpoint. So I think you really look at the situation and there's just – the just adding one player, and it seems dramatic, but it's not when you actually look at their depth chart. Adding one player, especially the caliber of uh, Khalil Mack, you add so much depth around these guys. So let's just say Leonard Floyd gets hurt. Or let's say, you know, Khalil Mack, you know, knock on wood for either one of these guys. Let's say Khalil Mack gets hurt. You still have that depth versus if if Leonard Floyd goes down for the entire year uh, in a situation like it was about, what, seven, eight hours ago, they have nothing. So now at least you've got some guys that you can see who can step up and who can do what. You've got guys that are better at different things. Aaron Lynch is a bigger guy. Sam Macho is more of a special teamer and a you know, guy gets a run. He's a smart player, just not very good. And you've got Leonard Floyd and now you've got Cleo Mack. So there's just there's so much more opportunity for this team. And I'll be the one thing I'm very curious to see as the season goes on, what we see in week one and, and how things progress is if – Vic Fangio is going to dial back on those blitzes that we saw in preseason, or if this is going to be something that they're going to, that they're going to be able to do. I mean, they have Nick Kwiatkowski that's going to be coming off the bench uh, eventually. They have a guy like Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan. These are all guys that can rush the passer, the passer from different ways. So now I think we're going to see a situation where the Bears are going to have close to the amount of sacks they did last year, if not more. But the numbers are actually going to back it up to where they're going to have a good pass rush. This isn't going to be – one of those misleading numbers where they're going to have 42 or 43 sacks. I can't remember exactly what the number was, but 
their pressure, the, the amount of pressure that they got on quarterbacks, whether it had been hits, just pressure in general, was much lower in the league, I'd say. I think it was like bottom bottom 10 in the league. Now you're going to see the pressure match the sacks. And I think that's a big thing because sacks are a good number, don't get me wrong, but the, the, the pressure is very, very, very big uh, in, in terms of being able to force things for the secondary um, and, and, and cause more turnovers. So I just, I think we're going to see, I, I'm sorry, I keep rambling here, but I think we're just going to see overall, we're just going to see a more complete defense. I think we're going to see more turnovers. We're going to see more pressure. It may lead to, you know, close to the amount of, the amount of sacks that they had last year, but I think you're going to see more of a hectic defense and that's going to be a more fear defense than what we saw last year. In the end, it's when you add a player like Max of Max Caliber, that makes to me that makes this defense largely matchup proof. The only offenses that are going to be able to beat this defense, to me anyway, and I don't think it's hyperbole to say, are the truly elite quarterbacks. Ironically, the Bears will be going against one in a little over a week from now, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, because of their individual skill level, their awareness, their instinct. But the, the only truly elite quarter that, that that's if I'm the Bears right now by adding back. I only I mean, – they're, they're going to respect everybody. They're going to game plan for everybody um, as necessary and as they should. But with the, with the defense they have constructed, they're virtually matchup-proof. When you can rush four without having to send anyone, you can now freely have Roquan Smith, for example, roam sideline to sideline and focus on coverage, arguably his best trait coming out of the draft. You can, have, you can have him close on running backs without having to worry about sending many blitzes. Same thing with Danny Trevathan. Same thing with any any of the corners, knowing that they're going to have more opportunities to take the ball away. Like you noted, they have the perfect makings of a defense that can exploit all all, all of the nuances of any offenses. And, and in the most dramatic change, it's this fast and athletic defense in the middle with Trevathan, with Smith, with Floyd, with, uh, with Mack. They have speed. You you can't necessarily beat them just by you know going four wide, five wide, and finding an, an open man, because because they're capable of of mitigating that. Um, I think in terms of an overall game situation, this is something we haven't seen from the Bears in a while. But let's let, let's say they have a they they have a game where they're up by two scores, or they're up by ten points, or they're up by a touchdown. They can now freely send four guys comfortably to protect to protect the lead to go to go go get the quarterback who whoever they're playing that's behind and to salt to salt to, to salt away a win and they can go to Jordan Howard comfortably as their offensive closer for ten to twelve carries however much in the fourth quarter to eat the clock away they have they have that kind of roster construction. That, that that's how much the dynamic of adding Mac um, changes. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you just, I mean, you keep bringing up good point. I, I feel like, I, I know like we're, we're going back and forth here, but it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, cause there's, there's, there's so much to unpack. Yeah. Well, the, uh, yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And it's just, I man, the more and more we talk about this, and it's like you're bringing up stuff that I hadn't even really thought about. I mean, they're just from a depth standpoint, especially they are just on a whole nother level right now. And I, and I think the more that we talk about this, really, I mean, I don't really have much to add on to what you're saying. Really, just the more that we we talk about this, the more I'm sitting here thinking 
expectations need to be high. I mean, there's just no other way around it. Like the, the Bears need to be a good team this year. Not an okay team, not a not a you know, a team on the rise that may be good next year. They need to be a good team this year. And you look at what they've done overall, and I know this is kind of getting away from from Mac, but just in general, you look at what they've done, and this has been at least on paper. Everything's obviously on paper until we start seeing games next weekend. But from a from an on paper standpoint, what Ryan Pace has done this offseason has been monumental. And I mean, it's not just with the defense, but the one thing, and I tweeted this out a little bit ago. The one thing that's really stood out to me when you when you compare. Like I said, obviously all this is on paper, but when you compare the Phil Emery, Mark Tressman era to the Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy era, I think one of the big things right now that is standing out to me is the fact that the Bears have shown a good amount of balance. And I, when you when I say that, I mean, let's just look at it. So with, with Emery and Tressman, their sole focus was on offense. Every single move they made was on offense. They basically threw Mel Tucker a few bones, and they said, okay, well, we're going to take John Bostic, and we're going to take Kasim Green, and we're going to give you DJ Williams and and uh, the other Anderson. I can't remember his name right now, the guy that came from the Panthers. Uh, but either way, I mean, they, they, they didn't really do much. Oh, and then they extended uh, Tim Jennings, who was never really that good to begin with, but that's a whole different story. But – this this time you look at it and you say, okay, the Bears have identified some issues. They said, okay, we are crap at receiver. Uh, you know, we have nothing there. Our tight ends are a little questionable. Uh, we're going to admit defeat with Deion Sims, even though we're going to keep him on the roster. But we're going to go out and we're going to sign Trey Burton to big money. We're going to give him $8 million a year for a guy that's never really played a huge role. Then we're going to go out and give Allen Robinson $14 million a year, who's coming off an ACL tear. And then we're going to give Taylor Gabriel $6.5 million a year just because we need that speed element. And then they go out and they they uh, they go out and then go ahead and trade up to get Anthony Miller. So you see all the different things that they do, and you think, okay, well, offensive coach, uh, you know, offensive-minded head coach, well, of course they're going to spend on the offense. Okay, but then now let's look at the defense side of the ball. You've got Kyle Fuller that they re-signed. You've got Prince of Mukamura that they re-signed. Then you have the the uh, uh, the acquisition of uh, Roquan Smith in, in the draft. They also made some other moves in the draft on the defensive side of the ball. And you say, okay, here's Khalil Mack. So, I mean, the, the balance on both sides of the football and the fact that they were even able to retain Vic Fangio in the first place. I mean, if you want to talk about a lot of winners and what, what the, you know, at least on paper, like I said, that the Bears have made this year, uh, you know, in the offseason, let's talk about some losers here. And this is something that I just really quickly want to point out. And I think that it's the Green Bay Packers. I, and they may be better than the Bears this year, but let's just, t- let's just take a recap of what has exactly happened this year for the Bears versus the Packers just in the offseason. So it all started off with Vic Fangio. The Bears ended up retaining Vic Fangio. Then you look at it with Al Robinson. The Packers were the other big team in on Al Robinson. They, at least from the things that, uh, that had been talked about, they offered similar money or maybe even more money. Al Robinson chose the Bears. Then you look at the offer sheet with Kyle Fuller. The Bears came out within, what was it, a half hour and basically said, okay, we're going to match it. Not the most ideal deal in the world, especially with the structure, but I think the, the annual average value ended up you know, being okay. And then you look at the Cleo Mack situation. What I will tell you, and this is coming from talking to multiple different people, is the fact that the Green Bay Packers up until last night were the front runners for Cleo Mack. They were the ones assumed if there was going to be a trade that was going to happen, they were going to be the ones again. So th- there's four different situations here where the Bears went above and beyond. And, okay, maybe, you know, I don't think with this trade, but maybe with a Kyle Fuller situation or maybe Allen Robinson, maybe they overpaid a little bit. But ultimately, 
they went out and they understood, okay, and this is just isn't about the Packers, but they went out and they said, okay, we've got to get better on both sides of the ball. This is going to require a collective effort on both sides of the ball. And not only did they go out and do it, but in the, in the process, they, I'm not going to say clown, the, clown the, 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 the Packers, but I do think that they made the Packers worse by making themselves substantially better. So that's another side of this that maybe we're not really looking into that I think is, is definitely a big thing. I think this is the most wins the Bears have had over the Packers in any given year in a long time. I think that just just the way you pointed that, I don't think I would have even been able to, been able to say that off the field. <clears throat> Ultimately, in the end, just to wrap this up, Aaron, we're going to re- look back on the Ryan Pace era as an era of traits. So when he, in, in the 2016 draft, trading up for Leonard Floyd, past the Giants, trading down and getting a, getting picks and using that on Cody Whitehair and then retaining a fourth rounder and using that to trade it for Eddie Jackson the following year. And then obviously there was the Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky trade in, in, in 2017. Then now, finally, you have Mac. Um, I applaud Pace. I know you do too. I know we'll agree on this for being bold. We don't know if it's going to work out. We don't know if it's going to end up in a Super Bowl. But – um, I, I said this a lot on I've said this a lot on Twitter. I've said this a lot in articles in the past 12 ish hours. People get obsessed with the future. People get obsessed with what that means, with the hope of the future, with building sustained consistency. Well, you know, things like the Patriots, things like what the Patriots have, that's so incredibly rare. That's so difficult to sustain. When it comes time to get a player like Mac, when it comes time to get a player like you want, like Brian Pace has continually done, you're going to sacrifice some draft assets. You're going to sacrifice some of that cap flexibility, the un- intangible, ta- the the non tangible rather, cap flexibility and assets to go get it to go secure the, to go secure a, an actual future in the here and now to win a championship. If you're a general manager and that's not your ultimate goal, then what is even the point of being a lead evaluator? Some are out he- some are out there to sell tickets just to get asses in the seats. Pace is out here to win. Pace is out here to make the Bears relevant again, to make them a legitimate contender, and like, like we've continually said, to be relevant. When he took over in 2015, he continually talked about sustaining that future. He continually talked about long-term success. Well, the future is now. The future is 2019. The future is 2018 to 2020. Um, we'll see if it pans out. We'll see if it's um, if it works as planned. But um, not many would have would have the nerve to do this, the audacity to do this. And I, I applaud it. Right there with you. Right. I mean, that's really I mean, that's perfectly put. You have to applaud the effort of Ryan Pace because and I've been I like Ryan Pace and I've liked Ryan Pace, but I've also been pretty critical of him. And I, I just, you know, I, I thought coming into this offseason, I didn't think he had the balls. I, I really didn't. I mean, and you know that because we've had sidebar conversations. I've told multiple people that I didn't think he had the balls to go out and make the moves that he made. and. I I somewhat believe that maybe just maybe he had you know the, he had enough in him to try to make a run at Cleo Mac, uh, just because of how many people had tied 
the Bears to him and how many people I talked to who said that the Bears were in on him. But being tied to a player and actually landing a player, two completely different things. And, like, I mean, I just I, I just pointed that out with the Packers. I mean, how many times the Bears – with players alone, the Bears did, did that to the Packers three times. You don't get points for almost having a player, having interest in a player. You get points for having that player and having that player come out and succeed. So I think at least the way I would wrap this up would be just something as simply as saying, you know what, Bears fans – stop worrying about the future. The Bears' time is now. The Bears' window has now opened. This is this is no longer a team where we're looking at 2019-2020 is where they're going to start competing or whatever. The Bears' time to compete is right now. They have opened up that window. They have signaled that they were going to open up that window. So anything short of that, within reason, uh, anything short of that I think is a, is a, is a disappointment. Um, but I, I just think with the with the amount of moves that the Bears made, it's it's almost impossible for me to see not say you know almost impossible for me to see how they would not be light years better than they were last year. So I mean, if there's really anything that I'm going to take away from this, and fans should take away from this, is the future's here. The future is now. Um, uh, you know, there's we've seen a lot of rebuilding going on within the with, within the sports teams of Chicago, whether it be the White Sox, the Bulls, the Bears, uh, even the Cubs that just got out of that and have had some success. I think the Bears window is here. Uh, I'm not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but I, I do think that the expectations for playoffs has to be back and it has to start from week one which is just over seven days away, man. That's that's where we're at right now. I think this is just a very exciting way to cap off an exciting and very busy offseason. You heard it here. The future is now, everyone. Bears-Packers, week one, Sunday Night Football, a little over a week away to culminate one of the most eventful, maybe the, mo- the most eventful offseason, slash preseason slash training camp in Bears history. He is Aaron Lemming. I'm Robert Siglinski. You can follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. Follow me on Twitter at Robert Siglinski. And follow us on Twitter at WC Gridiron. Khalil Mack is a bear. Like I said, like Aaron said, the future is here. And stay classy, everybody. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.